Michigan has the better football team, but TCU has a really good shot at winning this game. You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. It's everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter. Coming up on today's program, Stephen Simcox over at our TCU program has a little bit of a look with us at the Michigan TCU game. I went over onto the Locked On TCU show to talk about Michigan, and we'll have part of that conversation here on Locked On Big Ten today as we break down how exactly the Wolverines match up with the Horned Frogs. That's coming up in just a minute, but first, Today's episode is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling TV is a go-to if you want to get Big Ten sports. All sorts of Big Ten basketball that you could be watching, you could watch it over the weekend if you sign up right now at Sling TV. And of course, Sling TV with cutting the cord, a whole lot cheaper than your cable package, but also a whole lot cheaper than all the other streaming services that they have out there now too. So if you want to get the TV that you love, the live sports that you love out of the Big Ten, and everywhere else. You can head on over to Sling TV to see their packages and what they offer and see what I'm talking about because it really is the cheapest way to get all of your Big Ten fix in. Head on over to Sling TV right now. Great TV that you love at a price that you'll love at Sling. A reminder to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Big Ten. It's one zero at the end, not T E N when you're typing it out. That's the same across the board on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube too. All right, let's dive in with Stephen Simcox. Again, I was on Locked On TCU to talk a little bit about the Michigan matchup with TCU. How exactly do the Wolverines match up? What exactly can Donovan Edwards and JJ McCarthy do? do on offense we break it all down with tcu's host from the locked on podcast network here on the show it is locked on horn frogs with a special guest today nate dickinson from locked dog big ten excuse me he's going to join us and talk about michigan and tcu we'll get into this fabulous michigan run game the michigan defense how they match up with the horn frogs all that coming up next on locked on horn frogs Are Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You can subscribe to Locked On Horn Frogs on YouTube. You can also uh, hit us up on your favorite podcast platform. It today is Wednesday. Recording this on a Tuesday night. It's early signing day, so there's a ton of recruiting news that's going to come out. Um, but we're also talking the Fiesta Bowl, the college ball playoff, which is coming up. And to do that, we have Nate Dickinson with us. You can find him on Twitter at Nate with sports and Nate hosts locked on big 10, which would also be a great podcast to subscribe to on YouTube. And so I brought Nate in to talk about this game against Michigan. Um, and Nate, I wanted to start with, it, it was really interesting. A couple of years back, I remember Jim Harbaugh, he had done a nice job kind of elevating the Wolverines, but 
they weren't winning the the huge games, right? Like they were losing to Michigan State. They were losing to Ohio State. And there was talk about maybe him going back to the NFL. Would Michigan possibly move on? What direction would they go? They sort of renegotiated the contract. And then they just started bludgeoning everyone after that. And they really kind of flipped the script and took over the league. So how has that played out the last few seasons? What was sort of the secret sauce that got them to a place where they were starting to beat those uh, big boys and win those rivalry games that they weren't winning early in his tenure? Yeah, well, you're right. Up until even just, oh, just even over, even up to an exact calendar date, a little more than a year from now, Jim Harbaugh was still very much up in the air as to where he was at as the Michigan head coach. He had not beaten Ohio State yet. He had not gotten Michigan to where Michigan wants to be. That being said, I mean, the the formula for him becoming the most successful coach in the Big Ten now has just been beating Ohio State twice. You get the Buckeyes a couple of times, you take over that rivalry, and now you're, of course, along with that, representing the Big Ten in the college football playoff for the second straight year. It's something that's really something I'd like to make more complicated than it is. But now you beat Ohio State, you kind of just get the keys to the castle here. And Michigan's gotten that. Jim Harbaugh, as far as just what he's done on the field, they've played out more physical than Ohio State has over these last couple of matchups. It's been really clear out there. Even after last season, everyone was kind of like, okay, was that just a little bit of a fluke? Because it seems like on paper at least, that Ohio State's still the more talented team with all the players and playmakers that they have. But Michigan just did it again for a second straight season, blew out the Buckeyes, and now they're going into this college football playoff instead of what they were last season as kind of, hey, happy to be here. Now they're really thinking, hey, let's make this college football championship game and see what we can do potentially against either a rematch against Ohio State or a rematch, rematch against Georgia. Right, and and the physicality is a great point. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Michigan. Um, And it's interesting, you know, even in the SEC, so many schools have gone to, let's get the great quarterback, let's spread people out, beat everyone with our athletes on the outside. They're doing it a different way. Um, This Michigan rushing attack, Blake Corum had an amazing year, Heisman candidate. He goes down, and Donovan Edwards comes in, and – it doesn't really seem like they've skipped a beat, Nate. I mean, I guess from your perspective, does it look that different? Like, are there some different aspects to what they're trying to do, or is it sort of business as usual behind that great offensive line? They have not skipped a beat. They have 100% looked as good as if Blake Corum had been out there so far. And that's the key here is so far because – If you ask a Michigan fan, I think they would really, really clearly say to you, hey, we have no doubts in Donovan Edwards going out there and being able to do the same thing that Blake Corum does. But the way that I look at it, just going into this game, you have at least in the experience without Blake Corum out there, you have a win over Ohio State in which Donovan Edwards did his thing. He was really, really good. But his two touchdowns came at the very end of the game, and it was J.J. McCarthy's big passes that was what put or put Michigan ahead of Ohio State in that matchup. And then in the second game, Michigan still looks great, but it beat a Purdue team, which 
let's be completely honest, is not exactly the same opponent that everybody else had in its conference championship game. Sure. So if I'm looking at what Michigan has right now, I'm perfectly confident if I'm a Michigan fan going into this matchup that Donovan Edwards can do all of the same things that Blake Corum had done before. But if I'm talking about it from like more of a wider spectrum here, if I'm talking about, okay, we have the top four teams in college football that we have right now going into this playoff. Is Michigan one of those top four teams without Blake Corum there? I don't know. I don't know anymore. And can that rushing attack do what it does against what is truly a top four college football team? That's another question. I don't know the answer to it either. Against this TCU defense in particular, I'm a little bit more confident than maybe if you're going up against someone else in this college football playoff. But I still think that while Michigan fans are probably perfectly convinced by now, myself personally, having one game against Ohio State in which you got a bunch of big plays and didn't really get tested in the course of a long game. And then having another game against Purdue in which you were going to beat Purdue, no matter what happened for the most part. I'm not fully convinced that it's the same offense with Donovan Edwards out there. I'm well on my way, but I'm not a hundred percent in the way that I would like to be going into a college football playoff game. Well, Nate, I will tell you the Michigan fans are confident. They found a video I did last week about, you know, can TC slow down this rushing attack? How can they do it? And I mean, rightly so they've won every game this year. I'm sure they feel great going into this one. Um, and we welcome you, Michigan fans. If you want to subscribe to Locks on Horn Frogs, I'd love that. But I sort of, you know, the the point I was making was I assume TCU is going to sack the box and, and force J.J. McCarthy to try to make throws, um, which there are challenges that come with that, too. I mean, obviously, he's a good quarterback. He's here for a reason. Um, but in your experience, I know Ohio State sold out in a big way, and it led to those big plays that you were talking about. Can McCarthy, you know, step up in the pocket? Can he make those big plays? Do they have the weapons around that running game to make you pay in the passing game if TCU just says, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're just not going to let you beat us on the ground all day long. You have to complete some passes here. It's odd because it's kind of a really similar question of do you believe in the really small sample size with J.J. McCarthy? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are going to point to that Ohio State game. You're right. He had a lot of really good plays, but you're also right in saying that Ohio State completely sold out in that game on just stopping the run. The reason why Ohio State did that is because they had watched everything that Michigan had done up to that point. In every one of those other games, Wolverines had not had to lean on J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy had not had to have a big passing game in really any game at all up until the Ohio State game. It was all Blake Corum all the time. It was the reason why he was a Heisman candidate leading up to the point where he ends up getting injured there at the end of the season, and who knows what would happen. But anyway, the point being that up until the point where he had to make those big throws against Ohio State, and Ohio State gave him the chance to, J.J. McCarthy hadn't been tested yet, really at all, even against like a, a Penn State team. Michigan blew that team out. It was not a game where J.J. McCarthy had to go out and win it. He did it against Ohio State. He did. 69-yard touchdown, 75-yard touchdown, 45-yard touchdown. That's undeniable kind of stuff right there. But it's still just one game. 
And it is still just one game in which Ohio State was, again, fully committing to beating that run. So it's the same kind of question, really. Do you trust in Donovan Edwards on the short sample that you have of him? Do you trust in J.J. McCarthy if it comes down to it in the short sample that you have on him? If you're a Michigan fan, you want this to be a running football game, no doubt about it. You want to rely on that offensive line. You want to be able to control the pace that way. There's no doubt about that. But if it gets to a point where J.J. McCarthy has to throw the ball, it's the same kind of story. I think Michigan fans, if they're going into it, they're leaning on the fact that he had the big game against Ohio State, and he's had, of course, a lot of hype leading up to the big opportunity that he got. But if you're a fan looking at it from where I'm looking at it, is trying to be at least a little bit neutral, yeah, there's still some questions. I, I want to talk more about kind of how this season's played out for Michigan because – they haven't had a lot of close games, and it's super interesting. Like, what if what has anybody done to kind of stay with them? Before we do that, though, Nate, important question. Do you enjoy I, – I, I think I know the answer to this because you work in sports media. Uh, do you enjoy making money? I do. Yeah, Nate's <laughs> in the wrong business for that, but he does enjoy it. I'm in the wrong business for it too, but I also enjoy it. And we all need a side hustle. If you're, if you're sitting here and you're like, I know sports, I love sports, I, I want to start, you know, making some cash. If you're going to sit and watch all these bowl games – um, over the next few weeks, go to bet online and, and start wagering on these games. You know, we got college basketball in full swing, the NBA, the NFL is on like every day of the week this week, which is fantastic. I think starting Thursday, there's games through Sunday. Um, big time weekend there. Bet online, I mean, there's all, all kinds of stuff there. Like you can get injury reports, there's podcasts, there's great advice. But I mean, we're talking about making cash. So that's really what it's about. So go there today. If you've never dipped your toe in the water, it's a it's a great place to start, you know. Make a small bet, see what you know, see what Lee Sterling and company are saying. Let them lead you in the right direction. It's Bet Online. They're one of our fantastic sponsors. We appreciate them here at the Locked On Network. Um, yeah, so Nate, I mean, this is fascinating. You know, Georgia is kind of the team that everyone looks at and says this is the dominant, um, you know, preeminent sort of power in college football, and rightly so. But you look at the scores of these Michigan games. I mean, besides Illinois, I, I know Penn State, as you mentioned, like that was a ball game for three quarters and they sort of pulled away. Ohio State, they, you know, stayed with them in the first half and then Michigan sort of imposed their will. Um, what the teams that have kind of hung around with them, what have they done well against Michigan that's made this a football game? Because they have won so many games by, by, my, by wide margins this year. Yeah, there's been really only two games that Michigan have played really relatively close. One was against Maryland. They won 34 to 27. Mm. In that one, Michigan just made quite a few mistakes, to be completely honest. There were a lot of opportunities for Maryland to win that game. Uh, I think a lot of Maryland fans would tell you they had a really good shot at winning that game. And Michigan just really, as they do in the second half, just kind of proved to be the better team and took over and won it. It was a high-scoring matchup. Michigan won it, got its points. I was much more interested in the more recent close matchup against Illinois, low-scoring battle, in which Illinois was really, really good at just bending but not breaking on defense. In that second half, Michigan doesn't score a touchdown. It kicks four field goals to get the win over the Illini. Illinois gets two touchdowns off of Chase Brown, but that's all the points it gets. And after, of course, the lead it takes into halftime, Michigan's able to win it off Jake Moody's kick at the end. But throughout that third quarter, Michigan was going through drives that 
if you were watching the game, it's like, hey, this team's moving the football well. It should be able to close out this team. But instead, Michigan was getting held to field goals and Illinois was scoring touchdowns, which is atypical of what Michigan has done this year. It's what one of the things among many that the Wolverines have been really, really good at is executing on finishing drives. So if I'm looking for a kind of antidote to beat the Wolverines at this point, or at least run with them, one of the big things that Illinois did was bend but not break. Make sure that they can, at the very least, give themselves a chance to win the football game with what their defense can do in holding to three instead of seven. Because, to be quite honest, if you're looking for other weaknesses, there's not a lot of them in this Michigan offense. You can think maybe, okay, J.J. McCarthy's not what we have, what we think he is. We can think that maybe Donovan Edwards isn't going to be able to continue what he's done. But the evidence that we have so far is that those guys are actually really good. So if you're able to turn a seven-point drive into a three-point drive against them, it can go a long way. And on the flip side, Michigan's defense has been really stout, you know, in red zone situations. I know they've allowed teams to move the chains at times, but they they don't give up a ton of points. Um, so Max Duggan, I don't know how much of him you've got to watch, Nate. You know, the first couple of years of his career, he was really more of a running QB, and that's how he hurt people. Um, now he's become a more complete player this season, uh, even though in the Big 12 championship game, they sort of got back to that. But his mobility, is that something that could bother – a very, you know, fundamentally sound Michigan defense. I know they've seen some really talented quarterbacks this year, but is that a way that TCU could kind of maybe exploit some advantages when plays break down? I'll, I'll tell you, I was trying to think a little bit before we got on here about uh, at least some sort of examples. And you're right. Big Ten has a lot of talented quarterbacks, but not many of them are known for that ability to be that kind of especially mobile quarterback. So, mm-hmm. well, I have full faith in the Michigan defense. If you're looking for something that at least they haven't seen a whole lot of this season, yeah, a guy who can run the football around in the way that Duggan does can certainly be someone that can throw them off for a little bit. Of course, Michigan has plenty of time to prepare for it. But, right. I mean, if you're looking at quarterbacks in the Big Ten to try and compare to that, I mean, Talia Hungo Iloa, maybe he's mm-hmm. a big arm guy that's known to at least run around a little bit, but he's running around as a compliment to the big arm that he has. I mean, same thing with the C.J. Stroud kind of guy. If you're looking around the Big Ten and the players that Michigan's defense has gone up against, yeah, it's something that you could say at the very least Michigan hasn't seen a whole lot of so far this season. I don't think it's something that will cause him too much trouble. That defense is menacing out there. But if you want to believe that Duggan's going to be able to take advantage of that, there is at least the evidence that there's not a whole lot of a sample size here for it. Sure, yeah. And, I mean, you know, this D-line that Michigan has and their front seven yeah. in general is so so fierce and so good. Um, I do wonder if DCU can find a way to protect and give Max time. They do have talented receivers. It, it starts with Quentin Johnson, and then they have some speedy guys, you know, on the inside and outside as well. Am I overstating things here, Nate? I, I know the secondary has been solid for them. Is that the one place in the defense that it feels like teams have kind of made some things happen against Michigan throughout the year? No, no, you're you're not wrong. It's going to be a matter of just the amount of time that's there. Uh, when quarterbacks have had at least a little bit of time, to be able to throw the ball. They've had at least some success when you have the talent there to be able to make those plays. Michigan, 
of course, has the talent to cross the defense to be able to stack up with you if you're not going to match them on that. But mm. TCU has the talent to match it. So if there's enough there in the trenches to be able to get some blocking, then, yeah, there could be some ways to get some yardage on that side of the football by at least going through the air. Because I know if, you, if you're looking through the way that Michigan has defended at least throughout the season by the numbers on paper, there's not a lot of holes to pick from. Man, this is, this is fun. We're getting, I'm starting to finally feel it, Nate. We're, we're almost to Christmas. Once we get to Christmas, we're a week out. Basically um, it, it's been a long sort of drawn out process here. What's I, I'm, I'll ask you for a prediction if you want to give it to me, but I guess more, more than that, just what's kind of your gut feeling? I know it's always tough to predict these things because there is so much time off, but as good as Michigan's been this year, this matchup against TCU, how do you sort of see see it playing out as we sit, you know, a week and a half away from these two teams matching up there in, uh, in Arizona? I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, I know that right now, and I'm sure you'll discuss whatever the line is officially on Bet Online at some point between now and the game time. So I'll just say it's at some point like seven and a half, eight points right now mm-hmm. in favor of Michigan. So yeah. that I don't think is fair enough. I don't think that's fair enough to the Horn Frogs. You should be able to keep this game closer. Just in my head, I'm thinking about the things that we've talked about. The fact that, yes, J.J. McCarthy looked good against Ohio State, but that was a game in which he was getting a whole lot of really good looks based on what Ohio State was giving him. And he has, again, a very small amount of time that he's really been leaned on to win games. He's done what he's needed to do, but there has not been a big, big challenge for him to say, come back from behind in a game and win a big one. Same thing with Donovan Edwards. He's been really good. He's been really good all season long behind Blake Corum. There's been, of course, the Ohio State game in which he did his thing at the very end of the game and closed the door on things for sure, no doubt about that. And then, of course, he did what he needed to to beat Purdue too. But when you're putting together a team in TCU that's supposed to be one of the top four in the country, neither J.J. McCarthy or Donovan Edwards have a huge amount of experience to tell you that they can week in and week out be able to compete at that level. So if you're a Horned Frogs fan, I say that you're relying on one of those two guys having enough of an off game for you to be able to take advantage and win the football game. I think Michigan's the more talented team, but I think there's definitely a window here for TCU to win the game. Yeah, on paper, I mean, it really does. Like, Michigan has some distinct advantages. I think TCU has a few as well, and it'll really come down to kind of who can play to their strengths and maybe also, like, the weaknesses. TCU, you know, can can they hold their own against that run game enough that maybe their offense can make some things happen against that Michigan defense? Um, Nate, let the people know where they can find you in, in all your various work on Locked On Big Ten. Of course, the show's locked on Big Ten. If you're typing it out, it's a one zero at the end, not T-E-N on Big Ten there. That's same on the podcast, wherever you listen, on Twitter and on YouTube too. And as you mentioned off the top, I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports on Twitter if you want to follow along there. Thanks again to Stephen Simcox for joining us on our show, for having me on his show, and for talking TCU, of course. We'll have him back in on Locked on Big Ten at the very least, at least one more time before getting into this game with Michigan. Before we get into the rest of the program, I thank you 
to for getting in and listening to Locked On Big Ten. Once you're done here, be sure to listen in to Locked On Sports Today. It's where you can go to get anything that you need to know from yesterday in sports. Peter Bukowski provides all of the highlights from the day in sports over in 20 minutes or less, just like we do it over on the podcast network. That's Locked On Sports Today, wherever you get your podcasts in likely the same way that you're listening to this podcast. All right, let's wrap things up with some news from around the Big Ten. Just a couple of notes to give for you. We'll, of course, get to have a whole bunch of signing day coverage when we talk to John Garcia Jr. here on the program next time. Let's dive into the news, though, here from, well, at least the last couple of days here in the Big Ten. Of course, all sorts of basketball going on throughout the week. We're going to dive into more on that at a later episode, too. In the Big Ten preseason men's gymnastics polls, we had five Big Ten gymnastics teams now, and they rank out as such according to the Big Ten media. At the top is Michigan at number one, Nebraska is number two, Ohio State is number three, Penn State is number four, and Illinois is at the bottom at number five. Also, another news on the mats, not gymnastics mats, wrestling mats, although Maybe interchangeable in some cases. Indiana's Jacob Bullock is the Big Ten Wrestler of the Week, 5-0 and on the week, and ends up winning the Dolomers Reno Tournament of Champions as a result. Gym mats, uh, gymnastics mats and wrestling mats, obviously, nowhere near the same. It'd be fun to watch uh, someone do a wrestling match on one of those floor routine mats, but that's not how it works. Uh, that's all for Big Ten news across other smaller Olympic revenue sports, non-revenue sports, uh, As far as other stuff around the Big Ten, of course, a lot of football recruiting stuff to get to. One basketball recruiting note, I think we may have mentioned this guy before, but I didn't quite remember the name a little over a week ago. Rutgers got a commitment from unranked point guard Jamichael Davis in the 2023 basketball class. He had no other notes on his 24-7 page uh, regarding offers, commitments, visits, anything like that. So maybe a little bit of a gem found out of Georgia by Rutgers. Of course, they're hoping that over with the Scarlet Knights. That's all for Locked On Big Ten here today. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Be sure to again follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. It's at Locked On Big Ten, one zero at the end, not T-E-N, wherever you listen, watch on YouTube, and follow along on Twitter. I'm at Nate with Sports on Twitter. Until next time, Nate Dickinson with Locked On.